Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Hey ho, welcome to Ghost Chronicles. I am Ron Kolick, your host, and with me all the way across from England, actually Wales, is the Gold Standard and Ghost Hunting, Steve Parsons. Hey ho. There you go. Although in, in, in some parts of the US, isn't that, isn't that considered to be uh, threatening and derogatory? Whatever. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Neither saying do you. Hey, since you're, saying since hey you're a freaking English, you don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, I you're mean, hey, think- hey ho. That's like that's really derogatory. Yeah, where in your um, mind, Steve? You know, Alabama. I, I love, I love <laughs> people from uh, you know Thank foreign you, countries Karina. tell us what we think over here. Oh, but that's I, 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 I just just I'm just going to interrupt here because today I was watching uh, a YouTube video. Um, <laughs> oh, a YouTube video. Oh, there you go. No, the no fake I, news, as we like to call no, here. No, in the no, States. no, 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 no. No, bear with me because the. When when you like, I got distracted. Came back to the computer, and there was another. It, it had just gone on to the next video uh, because YouTube does that. It just sort of recommends one, and it was one of an American teen girl, and she had a pen pal in England, and she wanted the her pen pal. Is there a in point to this? Yeah, it will be. Uh, okay. It's the difference between the US and the UK. It's really quite funny. The uh, she. They were talking about uh, a Sims game, um, a video game, a Sims game. And she asked him how much it cost, and he said £15. To which she then has a go at him for, no, I asked you how much it was, not how heavy it was. And then went on to say, perhaps it's because gravity is different in England, that the because England must be nearer Jupiter. Makes sense to me. Can I just say that it's not all Americans? Thank you very much. Yeah, I know. It's well, typical. But this particular one was, its it was just awesome because she actually believed that England was a completely different planet. It is, isn't it? No. She said she spoke, she spoke fluent American. And she had a, a... Spoke fluent American and had a language difficulty. Exactly. Uh, with that with foreign her, country. With her buddy from England. So what was your point? No, I was just, you know, like, come on. Hey. It was just fun. I guess. <sighs> Anything else you've got that really want to make us split our side laughing with? Yeah, I bumped into Kieran O'Keefe at the weekend. <laughs> no way. Now that's good. Okay, carry on. <laughs> it was a little bit awkward. <laughs> really? Yeah. You're like we're, we're in the Congo line, and you you know bump bump. No, 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 no. We were both. Like, we, Whoa! I yeah, recognize we that both, bump. We were both attending the same conference, and uh, uh-huh. uh, I arrived a bit before I was intending to do because the Shame. traffic wasn't quite as bad, and uh, yeah, awkward. Awesome. Yeah. So exciting. All exciting stuff. Get to do it all again in three weeks, two weeks. So anyways, uh, we do have a guest today, I believe, right? And we yeah, the, have the on peach, Skype. Yeah, the peachy-butted Professor Cal Cooper. Dr. Cal, to you, please. 
Which is fantastic. He was only a doctor for a few weeks. He's been upgraded. By none other than Reverend Parsons. Thank you very much. Uh, Bishop. I paid the extra extra $25 two years ago. Uh, Bashing the bishop. So I I actually have a a question for you, uh, Cal, Cal, because uh, I'm a little confused. After all, I'm only an American, and evidently we have a language problem with with you, Steve. So uh, a gentleman posted on his Facebook page uh, a degree, uh, associates in uh, para, and what was it, parapsychology? Parapsychology, associate degree in parapsychology, and I, I, I'm just confused. I, I thought I uh, associate's degree is at least in the United States was a two-year degree. Is, is that? It I've is? never heard of an associate degree. I've heard of associate fellow as though that you're partly associated with an organization, but associate What's, degree. What we have here associated in associated with the degree, partly associated with, with someone else's degree. <laughs> <laughs> what we have here in the UK before you start a, an official three year bachelor's is a foundation degree, which some universities offer. And there's also some um, very what we call the old red brick universities. So um, Cambridge, Oxford, um, places like Edinburgh and so forth. They offer um, as an undergraduate what is called a one plus three, which is you do four years in total instead of three. But it's because you do this foundation year. So you end up with a foundation degree out of it or sometimes with a, a bachelor's and a master's degree. But I've never heard of an associate degree. So, yeah, that sounds very suspicious to me. Well, we do have a we we do have associate degree oh. in, in the United States. Those are two year degrees. I I have one myself. I have one from Northern Essex Community College. It's a two year degree. It's uh, but two years is you know there's a certain number of uh, uh, courses you have to take. So I'm just I just was wondering what what you know what what was the uh, curriculum for this uh, two year degree, which is you well, know two years with the courses. The- Let's scrap the associate thing then. If if you guys have both got one, then that clearly kind of says that that's a typical thing for the USA and we don't really have it here. But the fact that it was in parapsychology, mm-hmm. um, there's only so many places we know of in the USA that have actively got um, taught modules at higher education level. And that is the University of West Georgia, where Dr. Christine Simmons Moore is based, where um, Dr. William Roll, who dealt with a lot of poltergeist research, he was based there. So they've got badly, actually, he dealt with poltergeist. Rather badly, though. Yeah, he did. So he was um, the head of the Psychical Research Foundation as well, and that's one place where they do talk modules. And the other place is um, Atlantic University as well. There might be a few others that we're just not aware of, because I know in the UK a few universities keep on cropping up here and there that are involved with parapsychology. There's a university in the south of Wales that I know of, and also University of Chester. Um, so yes, I would like to know what the core structure was like for this associate degree. I'm not aware of it whatsoever. Right, I mean... Uh... The certificate was written out in ballpoint pen, so... Well, no, I thought it was... It was very officiating looking, didn't you think? Well, but I, as I said to you when you sent me the picture of it, um, I, I paid a few quid a few years ago to get an associate degree in forensic parapsychology, and it was a download and print out your own rather looking, good looking certificate. But when wow. you looked at that, yeah, when you looked at that picture that you sent me, the the person who filled it in, I've never really seen a degree certificate filled in in ballpoint. 
Uh, well, no, I actually. Uh, and that was four point. No, I, I was, of course. Re- re- mine's filled in with crayon. Yeah. The one I wasn't allowed to write with anything sharp. <laughs> See, now, if, if it was genuine, the weird thing is that a lot of the signatures on official degree certificates are just a scanned copy of the person's signature, usually the chancellor and vice chancellor of the university. And then because, you know, about a thousand students tend to graduate every year or every term. They, they just reproduce the signature. It would be very, very exceptional for the Chancellor and Vice-Chancellor to sit there with all that many certificates and repeatedly sign each one. So oh. the fact that Steve's saying it looks like it was written in ballpoint pen there and then no, on the certificate. the recipient's name, sorry, that was filled in in ballpoint. And the even date. that, that's even and more. The date. And the date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, was, it yeah. looked like a download fill-it-in-yourself certificate. And, and, I uh, spoke, and I spoke wrong. It was an associate in paranormal investigation. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> Sorry, I laughed out loud then. Uh, That's even worse. I, I can't. There's nothing we can do about it. I know we've discussed this before. Last time I was on for that half an hour after the problem that we had with Skype, we, we discussed some of this. There's nothing you can do. If someone wants to go out and say say to other people, "I'm a qualified dentist," they can do until they got caught, you know, practicing and something went wrong. Okay. Um, Steve gave that idea. That um, not idea. The actual example of someone that had had a successful career, got great feedback, and it turned out his qualifications were rubbish after the point he retired. Um, if people want to call themselves a doctor, they can do. You can even change your name by depot and call yourself doctor if you want to. There's nothing stopping you. But if you want to be associated in a particular field, be recognized by others in that field, and you've got fake qualifications, you are going to be caught out by those people, and you won't be accepted. And your ability to be able to practice, whether it be as a lecturer or an independent researcher, would be really difficult or very sketchy if people were aware of the fact that you'd done a bodge job. And I said that the two things that will shine through and show that you mean business is either the fact that you've done hard study at a higher education institution and earned those degrees, or you've read widely. You've read widely and you've independently published. And you know your stuff because you know the literature. That grey area... And you don't get caught. That's the crucial thing. That's the crucial thing. You just don't get caught. Because caught. that guy that we spoke about on the last time you were on, who, who that worked guy. 30, 38 years on false qualifications, had actually done a better job than many of his, uh, his uh, peers in similar posi- job positions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the paper qualification, I'm, I've met many degree-holding uh, academics uh, in nursing, in engineering and and also in in parapsychology who frankly the qualification means nothing absolutely nothing because they lack the basic life skills uh, in fact they lack the basic human skills to be able to uh i remember one when, when i worked for for uh, after i left school um i was in a technical uh, apprenticeship they uh, we they sent us an engineer uh, with a brand new degree straight from university who didn't know how which way to turn a valve on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I can. There was an example when my um, dad started. He was at a polytechnic. It was Nottingham Trent University years ago before it became university status. He had a, a friend that was um, offered a job in a cigarette factory as one of the main directors and they wanted him to be involved and they said we will pay for your university course we just want you to go and do any degree just get a degree to show a level of discipline so he went and did a degree in latin 
had nothing to do with cigarettes whatsoever or the running of the company. They just wanted him to have one. And so in that case, it meant nothing whatsoever to the actual job that he was doing. And in other cases, if you want to get a degree, sometimes it all depends on what you want to do with the degree. Sometimes just a short course and trying to kind of improve your skills is better. You don't need to go through a degree route or getting uh, fake certificates off the Internet. I mean, Steve, you were doing the um, so you want to be a ghost hunter um, courses that toured around the UK quite a lot. Mm -hmm. and, and people were going on that because if they were actively going out to haunted locations, they enjoyed it or they took it very seriously or both that they still wanted to improve their skills from someone that had been doing it for a long time, had been involved in academia. They weren't getting a master's degree out of it at the end, but they still wanted to sit there and try and that they were open to perfecting oh, and yeah. listening There's to other people's opinions. There's nothing wrong with improving themselves. One of the things that we were very, very careful about um, was to emphasise that there was no um, accreditation available, and nor mm -hmm. would there ever be, because I think that's one of the dangers with these online courses, and there are many. There is a School of Parapsychology, the Kirstler off, uh, offers one, and there's half a hundred others out there. And I've actually seen uh, real-world examples with where alumni from these courses then rebrand themselves using the course and the course logos, the school logos. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the, the responsibility to uh, perhaps police that uh, perceived accreditation must lie with the course provider. The course provider must take some responsibility right. for how that, you know, how people then go off and use this. Well, I've been on a course with... Uh, or I attended this study day. And you also see that in, in Reiki. Um, you also right. see that in psychic studies, uh, in spiritualism. It, where it, to people... me, that's not a problem. I mean, I, what you're, you're offering is you're saying, okay, you've taken additional uh, education. on, And it doesn't have to be too from a uh, accredited university. It's you've taking more, uh, learn more about a particular subject. Like my paranormal CSI, even when I did it through Northern Essex, we offer, what you received at the end was a, a certificate of completion. That was it. So you've took mm -hmm. that's, that's you've a completely different thing. Yeah, I agree you've with that. You've taken this course, mm -hmm. and, and this is your receipt that you took the course, basically. Uh, yeah. What it's not, worth not is, the, is virtually nothing. Yeah. It's, yeah. What, what happens then is, uh, and, and ASAP here in the UK have got a very similar problem um, that's going to turn around one day and bite them on the ass because... Are, are they, they still doing it? Oh, yeah. Um, oh. They have this uh, national register of paranormal investigators where you become accredited to it and you are a what? nationally licensed paranormal investigator. I know. Mm. And this is going to turn around and bite them on the ass because... Someday, someone, an investigator, is going to screw up big time, and you know they're going to say, "Well, we only chose them because they had this NLPI uh, accreditation by the Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous <sighs> Phenomena," and that is really going to mess things up. Moreover, ASAP is still maintaining that they are the official accredited body, the official government-recognised body for paranormal investigation here in the UK. Now, one of the questions we've put to them time and time and time again uh, is which government department is recognising paranormal investigation and specifically you as an organisation as the official representative, representatives of that body thereof? Hmm. Especially over the SPR. I think that was argued when they actually announced it. It was at um, a conference back in... 
2011, Bath. 2012, Bath. at the I University of Bath, I was there when yeah. they announced yeah. that they said they got a big announcement and it was at the end of the conference. And it didn't receive a round of applause or everyone saying, here, here. It just got a raise of hands from the audience and everyone firing criticism saying, yeah. so you, what, you're throwing people, you know, out, SPR members that are long-time spontaneous case investigators, does that mean they're not as credible anymore as anyone that gets your accreditation? You know, Guy Lyon Playfair and Mary Rose Barrington, all those kinds of people, Alan Gold, does that mean uh, their well, stuff is worthless now compared whole, to this? There was a whole raft of dangers that they went into. In fact, they, they ended up, they're in a situation still of they, they spent a long period of backpedalling, claiming then that it was merely um, the opening salvo of a consultation phase to see which way yes. it go. The, okay. the, the problem, I mean, w I was one of the most vocal critics of that because paranormal investigation, they didn't define it in any particular way. You know, so you had ghost hunters in with tree huggers, ufologists, Nessie hunters. Oh, it, you know, paranormal is such a broad church that how do you, how do you define, you know, one area of, of speciality within that mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. try to, and then try to, moreover, uh, the way that they were projecting it and the way that they still to a degree project it is that um, it only applies to their members, of course, but there is this, well, I'm a nationally licensed paranormal investigator. I'm just picturing this now. I'm just picturing someone out in a little rowing boat on Loch Ness looking for <laughs> Nessie and someone saying, excuse me, could you bring your boat in, please? And them just yelling from the middle of the lock saying, it's OK, I'm accredited. Yeah, there yeah. You go. yeah. So I, I didn't want to go in too much into this degree thing, but I was do. curious about. I know you do, and, and we talked about most of it at the last show. But uh, you know, I mean, do we really? Would it say say Bill Gates or uh, somebody with a lot of money had the decided they wanted to set up a, a university for paranormal studies? Do you think that that is even feasible? I don't think so. How many billion? How many billion dollars? I'm sure he could hire in whatever billions. He's got as many monies as he wants, so well, he could I mean, get the best whatever. Exactly. Yeah, they could it, do it, it, but whether it, it's it, a good idea or not, I don't think it is a good idea. It, well, it, it depends why, on how why Cal, why Cal? Because, Well, give give Cal his thing. He, he put it up. Yeah, I was. Yeah, Cal. Yeah, yeah, they've got the money to do it. I'm sure they could set it up, but that would require then trying to get a load of specialists together and say, would you work for the university to then, you know, if this is going to be a university, to design the courses and the course structure and get it approved and, and you know, so many other things as well. When you've already got existing universities that actually need to change their tune and say, look, these experiences do occur, there is an importance to actually studying them, and they do actually belong within the existing curriculum, not just within the study of psychology, where people are then trying to take on parapsychology, but, you know, from the viewpoint of physics and sociology and anthropology and philosophy and history, you can incorporate into so many other disciplines mm -hmm. if people were willing to actually look into this. Well, um, you raised an important question there, Cal. I'm going to come straight back at you with that one, because you said it, it. it fit, you know, there are universities, it can, go, it can fit within the existing curriculum. Mm -hmm. The individual subject areas can. However, uh, with regards to spontaneous cases, you do have this sort of uh, very disparate range of specialities psychology is an important part of it so is physics so is engineering so is social sociology so is anthropology yada 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 i you would need to design a 
specific course, wouldn't you? So it's not just mm-hmm. going to slip comfortably into the existing curriculum um, because it spans so many. Well, there could be an overlooking thing. For instance, if a, a paranormal CSI, I mean, not a paranormal CSI, but a regular CSI team is made up of experts of particular study, like photographs or, mm-hmm. or fingerprinting or, or whatever the particular thing is. And that, that, that it's put under a uh, general as, as CSI. So isn't that kind of what Cal's talking about? Basically, is you would have these individual studies like history or anthropology, and they would go under a certain uh, overriding uh, title. Yeah, but what, what the, the point plus. I'm making is that whilst it fits, you know, the physics fits in the physics department, the mm-hmm. social history fits in, you know, there, and psychology fits in the psychology department, the you would gain modules from lots of different departments, but really it needs to be dealt with as a separate sort of entity, as a you know, as an overarching uh, degree title. One of I, I I don't know what you'd call it. Parapsychologist is not the right word. Paraphysicist is not the right word. Uh, ghostologist is not the right word. It does need to define itself. And one of the problems that uh, An- anomalistic science or something like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, one of the problems at paranormal investigation, paranormal studies relating to um, spontaneous cases, ghost hauntings, etc., is the label because you have – it's such a very difficult area to define. Um, mm. You know, are people uh, – you know, how – what do they call themselves? A ghost hunter? I mean, that, that could imply that they're out, you know – wearing body armor and going out looking and actually <laughs> hunting down ghosts. I mean, Some there is, do, you know. There, there, I mean, the, I've <laughs> seen arguments even quite recently on Facebook where people are arguing that, you know, a hierarchy of terms and descriptions, a paranormal investigator is better than a ghost hunter because a ghost hunter, you know, has this implication. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I define myself as a paranormal investigator rather than a non-binary ghost hunter. I just want to be a ghostbuster. That's all I want to be. Well, you see, again, <laughs> you are the, the, the use I'm of the I'm an executive language. ghost hunter. Executive being the key word. Yeah. Our, 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 so our friend and colleague, Anne Winsper, describes herself as an anomalistic researcher. You know, she studies anomalistic uh, phenomenology, phenomenologies, huh? um, which, which is interesting. I call myself a ghost hunter because it's a historical term that fits with what I do. How very, how very Chris Frenchy of her. It is, isn't it? Yeah. But then she's moved, you know, now she's, you know, now she's on her PhD course. She's becoming a parasite. Um, <laughs> I, 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 use, I use ghost hunter because people know what it means and it describes best what I do. And it mm-hmm. doesn't have the pretentiousness of paranormal investigator and all that broad um, uh, descriptor because paranormal investigator applies to ufologists, Nessie hunters, cryptozoologists. Um, you know, ghostologist, manusologist is a word that I tried to champion a few years ago. Uh, because yeah, I didn't have, like that one. That was well, we we have ologies. To, 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 I don't care whether you liked it. Well, we had all. Wait, 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 wait. I wasn't it's doing it. My show. Popular. It does care. You do care. It's what not happened. your show. It's half your show. And no, 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 it, no. I pay the, the bills. The, <laughs> the, the terminology. So, so I'm not the co-host. I'm the sub-host. Yeah, the sub-host. That's a good way. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but. But the, the, the thing you've got is, um, you know, paranormal investigators and yep. ghost hunters and ghostologists and manusologists, 
it, 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 it's a very very grey area, and this and because of his lack of definitions, allows people to right. call themselves parapsychologists without qualification. It allows people to call themselves uh, that that certificate you mentioned before, uh, associate something in paranormal, paranormal investigation. investigation. Now I remember when my but, book but, came. Oh, you go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, just to bring all of that back full circle, though, it doesn't matter any of these titles that people choose to take on and justify and so forth, unless they fit in that category of either have studied hard and gone through the hard graph and got the qualification or have read extensively, know their stuff and have published. If they're in that gray area in the middle and they're debating over all these terms, we never really hear about them beyond social media. They don't turn up at conferences where the wider debate internationally counts. We don't see their publications in specific parapsychology journals or wider afield in, you know, health journals and science journals, physics journals, you name it, trying to actually get peer-reviewed acceptance and informed debate and change science's views. Never happens. Never happens whatsoever, and it especially hasn't happened with those people we've discussed on the show before, where they've taken on such fake qualifications or the title of doctor. Never hear of their name because they wouldn't dare. They wouldn't dare turn up because it no, would just crumble away. What, what they do now, I mean, they, they, they organise their own little conferences, don't they? Uh, where, they are, <laughs> where they are the headline act. Uh, and <laughs> they, they, uh, they, you know, they, they espouse their theories and ideas and, and, and findings. <laughs> and they, and they, uh, they populate church halls and, you know, small village theatres and things and, and put on conferences. The jesters running around and juggling acts and all sorts of things. Yeah, like, like, you know, I mean, and the problem is good people are attracted to these events and go along in good faith listening to That's rubbish. what annoys me. Listen That's the to only thing that's rubbish. Mind you, ha- having said that, you can go to a, a you know a, a mainstream academic conference like the SPR conference and listen to complete drivel as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, you know, I'm we. we I'm really jealous of you guys over there because you do have organizations like the SPR and the 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 uh, or whatever the heck it is, and uh, uh, the Ghost Club and so forth. In the United States, we don't have that. All we have yeah, is have the, the PA. You, you yeah, PS, we did. We PA. don't have nothing. You hear absolutely you do. zero you about do. it. All no, we you have the Paranormal Associate, Parapsychological Association, the Parapsychological How Foundation. How many conferences they do? The American here. Society for Psychical Research. How many conferences <laughs> they have? How many conferences do they have? All now, we get over uh, here is the a drivel. Is a big issue Sorry, wh- at the moment, where is the where's, is very active? Where's the PA conference this year? Is it back in America? It's in Athens, Georgia. Yeah, um, Athens, Greece. Oh, well, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, alter, it, well, it alternates between Europe and the US, doesn't it? it, it does. Usually, the PA is in America somewhere. It's yeah. very. It sometimes comes out, and this year it, it is outside yeah. of the United States, but it's often. Yeah, yeah. Within the United States. The so reason you've got you no don't hear from, about no. them, Ron, is that you're not looking. And That's not true. They just you won't find them. On, you won't find them in the places that you're looking. They're not on Facebook? <laughs> they are. The PA are. Okay. Yeah, and the PF. And the PF. And, and uh, I mean, what is the situation? Well, we're coming up to the break. So uh, when we come back from the break, I'm going to get Cal to discuss the situation regarding the second oldest paranormal research organization. Well, I, I don't want to world, go too much. I fact, want to get... Which was founded in 1883. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the American Society for Psychical the Research. The tunes are on. So oh, I got argued. Also. I got brought down saying it was 1885. I've got a big the tunes, beer in my bonnet guys, about that. we got to go. Zip it. Zip it. 
You're listening to Ghost Chronicles Internationals with Steve Foster and Ron Cole and our special guest, Cal Cooper. We'll be right back at the phone messages. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Well, welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles. You're listening to the sub-host, the gold standard. And joining us tonight is the host and the owner of the channel, there Ron Kolek. There you go. There you go. The most, very... most distinguished, Ron. Wide Ron Kolek. I might as well get the whole title out there. So, yeah. Funny. Um, not, was not as well known as Zach Bacon. And, um, and our very special guest, the But Pink just as Bond. ripped as him. Yeah. <laughs> the the pink-butted and cute Dr. Cal Cooper. Uh, I've got a question in the chat room before we return to the uh, the questions that Ron raised about... Well, you can, you can read our language. That's pretty good. Yeah, because we're on Jupiter. What kind of degree, Cal, do you have? Uh, good question, because I have been accused by ASAP folk before of having fake qualifications. So oh. if you want... Yeah, if you want to check out the um, institutes, you're more than welcome to. So the University of Northampton, as far as I'm aware, is legit. It's not one of those universities that got upgraded from the swimming pool. Um, it, so the University of Northampton, I have a BSc honours degree in psychology. I also have a... Sorry, it is mine. Yeah, no crayon or crossing out a previous name. It, it definitely says Callum Cooper on there. Um, I also have a master's of research 
um, in social science from Sheffield Hallam University. That's in Sheffield, if you didn't know that from the title. And I have a PhD from the University of Northampton, um, specifically in positive psychology and thanatology. It's got an overview of parapsychology within it. It's a concoction uh, oh. Thanatology, positive psychology and thanatology, but most oh, PhDs are a mixture of all sorts. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And I've got a swimming certificate. So moving on. Well, you've got uh, a BSc and an SSC, a bronze swimming certificate and a swim, silver swimming that's certificate. The one. Yeah. I was going to say you've got a BA as well, which is a big ass, but there we go. <laughs> oh, thanks for Anyway, moving swiftly on. You raised a point before the break, Ron, about uh, not ha- not being aware of um, the the ki- actually the American element to psychical research, the American contribution to psychical research, is actually uh, as vast as it is here in the UK. Um, you know, the ASPR formed a year after. I don't care what anybody says. It was 1883. I, did, I checked in the ad. No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't that. I had a problem. I, I tried to do a response in defending Alex Tannis to the Journal of Scientific Exploration, and the person who responded to the they wrote a review for the book and said I was an idiot because the ASPR was founded in 1885. Oh, so incorporated I, in 1885. It was actually founded in 1883 as a spin-off from the UK SPR. I'd, I'd agree with that, but I took the exact founding year from the Volume 1 proceedings, which I've got right behind me, uh-huh. where they finally agreed and decided in about September to December of 1884 that it would go ahead. And so all the ticking of the boxes and so forth didn't fully happen until 1885, but the agreement and the coming together of all the people that were going to be on the committee and the president was 1884, as far as I can tell from the proceedings. Yeah, but they'd already had three or four meetings by then. And this, which yeah, are so, listed in the 1884 proceedings. Yeah, so I, I still think it's 1883. Um as being the year of anyway, the, however, so the point I'm making, the point I'm making, critical review. Oh, I, I could call them many things. They got loads of things wrong, and I wasn't allowed to reply because yeah. they don't publish replies to book reviews no, allegedly. <laughs> and then they did the issue afterwards. So that's a load of bollocks. Um, but the point I'm making, one, is that America has got a l- long history and an excellent reputation in psychical research that dates back to nearly as long as it does here in the UK. Um, and, the, you know, we have here, we have the Ghost Club from 1862, mm-hmm. although, again, um, there is some contention. That's that all right. We, were, um, we get the idea. We have the SPR and we have uh, the, the most recent from 1981 of the Association for the Scientific Study of the Novels. And College that. of Psychic Studies since 1881. Exactly. And in America, you know, we do have... Um, organizations that go back to that era and uh, span to the present date mm-hmm. so if you can't find them it doesn't mean that they're not there and it doesn't mean that they're not forthright are they prospering are they... they are prospering oh, yeah. uh, they are thriving they are in fact the pa is probably the world's uh, foremost para, uh, psychical they... research, parapsychological research organization when J.B. Ryan went over to North Carolina in the 1920s with his wife, Louisa, they were asked by um, William McDougall, who was basically the dean of social sciences for Duke University. He said, why didn't you set up a psychical research unit at the university? I'm really interested in it. 
And so that's where they adopted the term parapsychology from Germany, and it had been used a lot there, and they wanted to give psychical research more credit in the university setting. And so they'd also realized that publishing parapsychology papers in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology and Social Psychology wasn't receiving all that great a feedback and um, too much criticism, and it wasn't creating any impact with the wider scientific community. So they established the Journal of Parapsychology in 1937, and J.B. Ryan's mission was to try and gain more scientific credit for parapsychology. So in the 1950s, the Parapsychological Association was founded. And then in 1969, they gained affiliate status with the American Association for the Advancement of Science, which it still has today. So if anyone ever says that parapsychology is not recognized by science and is not a science, that's complete bull because it's still associated with the AAAS. That said, Ryan was a complete uh, idiot in terms of my 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 perspective, um, which is spontaneous probably the most well-known Paris idiot. Okay. Yeah, because because Critical, what, why, uh, well, I, I'm I'm on. actually I'm doing a presentation for the SPR in a few weeks' time, and mm. I'm arguing that one of the problems that spontaneous case research uh, faces in the 21st century is a hangover from Ryan in the in the 1930s, because Ryan J. B. Ryan, uh, unlike his wife, uh, but J. B. Ryan was vociferous in his. Uh, belief that spontaneous case research was was pointless uh, and he actively discouraged it within um, members of his faculty he, he no he no 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 he did no 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 he published even dis- up until the 1950s he was still publishing the importance of spontaneous case research no, and it's understandable what why he didn't get involved in it, because he got his fingers burnt so badly. There were two reasons. One was the Mina Crandon incident, which caused a separation yeah. of the ASPR to the Boston branch, because we had a medium there who appeared to be so good, but she was offering sexual favours to researchers to produce a good report. And he knew all about this and then yeah, started, to, started to form the Boston <laughs> branch. The other one that really pissed him off was he was interested <clears throat> in these seances and gave it another chance. And there was one medium that came forward and seemed really good. And he was in great correspondence with Albert Einstein, who said, if you get a good medium in these settings, invite me along, I'll bring some researchers, and I'd love to see it. And Ryan really didn't want to screw up on this. He'd even got magicians involved to make sure that the medium that he was focusing on wasn't doing this via fraudulent acts. Hang on, hang on, let me finish, let me finish. And then he was so sure, he brought Albert Einstein along, nothing happened whatsoever. Einstein wasn't interested, he retreated from parapsychology, and at that point, Ryan said, that's it. It's purely lab research for me. I, well, I was referring to spontaneous cases, not spo- not mediumship out of the lab. He so incorporated Ryan, when it comes to spontaneous. He incorporated Ryan everything was, to do with psychical research as spontaneous no, and Ryan, Ryan on a number of occasions uh, was uh, vocal in his opposition to any of his team getting involved in haunted locations, haunted investigations of haunts poltergeist and similar phenomena um it was his wife louisa who was the one who was the champion of the spontaneous cases because she actively collected and collated reports of haunt locations there was one way to stop the phone calls because they got them at three in the morning while they're in bed (laughs) (laughs) constantly calling them saying i had a strange experience so he just gave them to his wife ryan Ryan didn't was no champion of spontaneous cases it's because he got his fingers burnt 
Not with yeah, but you're, you're discussing spontaneous uh, psi in the uh, out. Ex- I'm, I'm, uh, I'm grouping it all under psychical research. Yeah, but purely. you can't you can't group spontaneous cases under on under spontaneous psi. I wouldn't normally, and with my doctoral research, I didn't. I was looking purely at Good. spontaneous and not Good. thought experiences. But when it comes Good. to Ryan, I agree with you with the fact that when it came to his department, it was his way or the highway. Exactly. And so, yeah, I agree with the fact that if he didn't want his department, and his Zeta cards were crap. Well, they changed all the time. Now he had that big controversy that people. Well, no, the Woolworths edition was see-through because his were made constantly on site, and they even had the ink rollers. But then they started to yeah. produce editions for Woolworths. The, and who spotted they were see-through? Probably Harry Price. Yeah, designed the telepathic card. Yeah, but then everyone <laughs> assumed that all the ESP studies were a load of nonsense just because you could see through the kind of high street branch copies that you could buy and they had see, to say no yeah. no no these, these are mass-produced ones that it's we never approved. You could see through the early Zener cards. Um, through the as far as I'm concerned it was through the ones that were mass-produced not the ones at Duke University wow. which were produced fresh on site on thick card with rollers. Well there, there are several <laughs> versions of that story aren't there? And as as only Ron was alive then. <laughs> I was alive then. I can tell you all we, about it. We, we, but we, you and I are only speculating. Hasn't changed a day. Still looks 21. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you, you mentioned all the organizations and, and their, their startups are all around the 1860s and so around there. Was there any paranormal research going on prior to that, you know, prior to the uh, 18th century or whatever they call it, 19th century, I guess? Absolutely, yes. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, lots, and who lots. was doing it? We have we have psychical researchers going back to the seventeenth uh, century. Mm-hmm. Uh, go on, Cal, you do this bit. I uh, don't want to it, just by Ron Lace for taking over again. The, the one that we brought up on the show before, when we've discussed um, seances and so forth, we have Faraday and his contributions to seances earlier. earlier. That was eighteen fifties. Um, earlier yes. than that, we have. Uh, da, 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 How about why? Joseph Glanville? Uh, no, hang on. There's another one that I want to mention. I've got to go for the book. I can see it. It's, Psych- I'm going to Joseph pick- Glanville actually published a book that, enti- uh, that examined psychical research in the 17th century, as did Daniel Defoe. Daniel uh, Defoe. Yeah, I can see him next to me. One second, I'm going for the book. I'm having to take my headphones out. <laughs> Be right back. I've got a first edition of Defoe's book, but nonetheless, Glanville was uh, a very early psychical researcher. A long time during the reformation, during the after Charles. After Charles II was restored to the throne in, uh, um, after they got rid of uh, Oliver Cromwell, there was uh, what was known as the Enlightenment, the Reform, um, and uh, the formation of the Royal Society in the UK. And a lot of these people were um, interested in the questions that were being posed uh, that religion previously effectively quashed it was considered almost heresy to consult with the dead or look for ghosts but after the restoration of Charles II men like Glanville, Aubrey uh, John Aubrey and others Emmanuel who were, yeah, so, well he was a bit later but um, but you have this uh, large interest, the Greeks I mean we, we can then, there is this you then have to jump back a number of centuries to look at the 12th century with Gerald de Cambrensis, Gerald of Wales, who not only documented many uh, accounts of spirit ghost activity, but also actively uh, sought it out, investigated it, uh, you know, to find out for himself whether the accounts were true or not. 
uh, between the 12th century and the 16th century, it was considered to be, you know, you'd be tied to a piece of wood and set fire to. Yeah. Isaac it Taylor. Was, it was necromancy. I'm just going through a load of books here. Isaac Taylor was another good one. Isaac Newton. Um, Isaac Watts as well. They're all called Isaac. Loads of Isaacs. I mean, basically, if you got the name Isaac and you were living in the 17, 1700s, you know, you were basically investigating the paranormal. Anyway, <laughs> so, I, so we have Isaac Kolek here. He dates back to the 17th century, at least. Like no, I mean, you know. Psychical research, um, you know, as long as people have been seeing ghosts, there have been other people going, out, well, what are you actually seeing? You know, Athenodorus was a psychical researcher. Because he went to the huh? haunted house, he went to the haunted house in Athens because he was intrigued by people's reports. No, he wanted a good deal. Is what he wanted. No, he didn't. Yeah, he I went get that property wicked cheap. He went because he was intrigued by the questions that required answers, and he took rent of the property and he spent time there. There are similar accounts that go back to China a thousand years before that. There are accounts of people investigating claims of ghosts. Uh, in ancient Sumerian and Babylonian script, uh, scripts and texts also. It, it, and, it's uh, a case... Sorry, Carl. Sorry, even Plato. Plato wrote a whole book on immortality as well, so um, we had early philosophy. As long as people have been seeing weird shit, people have been going, what are you seeing? Exactly. I need to check that out for myself. <laughs> so, exactly. So have we ever, or has anyone looked back at those early researches and, and compared their work and and a study that is under uh, our current conditions and thoughts? I personally believe that a lot of their thoughts haven't really shifted. When it comes to just theories of life after death, we really haven't budged that much because we don't understand what consciousness fully is. And um, it was I ended up in a really interesting debate yesterday because I was talking to um, parapsychologist Matthew Smith and also ex-parapsychologist Louis Sava. And, Matthew, I thought Matthew yeah. Smith was a medium. <clears throat> no, no. Um, he was trying to be at one point. That was a couple of years ago. Um, but I was talking about, I've mentioned it before on the show, when you have a bereavement, it's very common for people to have anomalous experiences. And Louis could only group them into two categories. Either the person is delusional, that's the experience, and they're happy with that delusion. And so clearly the experience is something else, something very conventional that they can't realize. Or there's truth to it, and they accept what the conventional explanation is. There was no one way or the other. And I found that very strange that I couldn't kind of talk Louis any other way, because to accept what he was calling truth was to dismiss all of these experiences of life after death and psychic phenomena where we haven't found conventional explanations. And let's, you know, say there's a lot of it. It's in all the various SPR journals and the books and all these early researchers we've mentioned where they purely documented something weird that happened. They wanted to know more. You're dismissing it by saying, well, the truth is it's not actually happening. That's not truth. That's you reaching a very firm conclusion that you don't want to deal with it. It's easier to brush it under the carpet. Well, we know, we, the, we know Louis' many faults, one of which I remember Louis used to appear for those uh, Louis... Uh, uh, Louis Sava was a parapsychologist who, for a while, appeared on Most Haunted um, in a number of episodes where he famously defended the fact that what was happening on location wasn't paranormal, and in that I agree, uh, but substituted and said it was uh, telepathy. No, he said it was telepathy. And sure, it was aliens. 
Uh, and he kept regurgitating this line that uh, David or Derek, David it was, uh, David Wells, uh, it wasn't paranormal. It was tele- It was telepathy. Right. Over and over and over and over and over. So somebody quietly took him to one side and said that perhaps... He's a crap Well, yeah. Uh, telepathy <laughs> itself might be paranormal. <laughs> well, we, we had that a lot last time I was at the Rhine, and I found that the amount of times someone's asked me questions about survival, and I'm very kind of unknowingly saying, well, it's just ESP. <laughs> you know, it's just ESP. And it happens so often where you're trying yeah. to explain one thing with another. And one of, the, one of the key problems that parapsychologists have, in my opinion, is that they, they, they see an idea, they, they read about an idea, and then they, they cling to it like Velcro to a woolen blanket. This idea, I mean, there are several. Infrasound, <laughs> infrasound causes people to have paranormal experiences. Uh, here we one. go with infrasound. Now, that's, that's uh, one. Another one, one, I know another one that they... Infrasound ideas. Is yeah, you're absolutely right, Kel. Another about. one that they regurgitate often is that poltergeists are the the, the, the focus and responsibility. Of an adolescent, yeah. Pubescent, yeah. female, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Blah, blah. yeah. Oh, and, and electromagnetic fields cause paranormal, induce paranormal experiences within the brain. You tell me because that. it sounds plausible and reasonable, and the problem with parapsychologists is that they're, they're so desperate to find a normal explanation that they often they end up in situations like with Kieran and the supersonic fly, where they <laughs> where they end up sounding ridiculous. Kamikaze. So yeah, the kamikaze suicidal supersonic fly. I know we're running out of time, Kel, and and I I did want to ask you this because I I really don't remember is how did you get involved in the paranormal? What what brought you down that path? Uh, oh, the same boring story is. Um, same boring story. Okay. <laughs> the, same, the same boring story is um, at, at school, we used to go on library trips once a week, just walk down the road to the local library. And they, less and less now, but what they used to have at most local libraries in the shop as well. And both in the library and in the heritage shop downstairs underneath the library, kind of showing all kinds of pictures, po- uh, postcards and pamphlets written by local people about local heritage. There was some stuff on ghost stories, and I became really um, kind of fascinated by these pamphlets, which I've, I've got in my library here with all the ghost stuff by Jane Peters, all the local kind of um, ghost reports that were going on in Sutton and Ashfield, and then also in Kirkby and Ashfield as well. And uh, I like that. And I'd also read into some of the kind of there was like ladybird books and all sorts on 14 phenomena. So I'd read stuff into UFOs, Loch Ness Monster. And that had also introduced me to Harry Price and specifically two things. One was Borley Rectory and the other one was Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Ooh, I and love Jeff. I love Jeff as well. And I was fascinated by that. I really was. But, you know, I just thought this is just interesting that people have done this independently. They've gone and investigated it. And they just wrote it up and it will always just be something weird that no one will ever understand. That was my thinking at the time being at school. And then um, I started to see documentaries and more kind of um, books beyond that that were seriously talking about the science of psychic phenomena or documentaries where they would show someone and it would say underneath their name and then list them as a parapsychologist. So I started to think, oh, what's that? 
Um, but that was never my intention. I wasn't really interested in psychology. I wasn't really interested in science, though I'd enjoyed it at school. I, I was actually pursuing a, a career in theatre, performing arts. I'd gone to acting school. I went to dance school. And I seriously thought that's what I was going to do. But at college, everyone wanted to do that. And they thought getting a qualification was the way through it. At A-level, there was, you know, hundreds of students doing media studies, performing arts, theatre study, dance, filmmaking, you name it. And I thought, this is not the way to go. If you end up becoming an acting, it's because you know people who know people. That's probably one of the best ways to do it. You sort of fall into it later on. Um, that's how I've seen a lot of people fall into acting rather than getting a degree. So I thought, what can I do? If I really want to be an actor, what should you do just in case it doesn't work out? And I thought, you know, getting some grounding in different things would be great. So I did A-levels in photography, electronics, psychology. I did some further qualifications on sign language. And I thought psychology, that's quite a good thing to have under my belt. I can apply it to so many different things. And then I started to realize universities were teaching talk courses in parapsychology. So I went to different open days at ones that I thought would be great. I'd gone to Liverpool Hope University. So uh, Steve is fully aware of Liverpool Hope. Um, Hertfordshire University, I'd looked at Coventry. Um, but uh, I didn't go to Edinburgh, but Northampton was pretty much thriving at the time. And I went there and I, I just sort of, it wasn't about, you know, the, the ratings on the leaderboards for universities. It was about, did I feel at home? Did I like the people there? Were they passionate? And it ticked all the boxes for me. So that's why I went and did a psychology degree. And I did it because I knew at third year I could study parapsychology and do a dissertation in it. So that's mm -hmm. what got me into actually, parapsychology. Actually, I, uh, I remember Cal arriving at, um, I think, possibly even Winchester. Was that your first SPR conference? That was my very first SPR conference. Uh, yeah, you I was he was a snotty-nosed little lad, was he? Well, no, we, we, Cal and I had a slight, uh, it wasn't even a falling out, but Cal... It's strange to but, say we love each other so much now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> because what rankled with Cal right, you know, way, way back in 2010 years ago now? More than that now. More than that, yeah. Isn't yeah. It? About 10 years, uh, 2006, wasn't it? Something like that. Anyway, was he started to he he, he he turned up and he was. I mean, I, I don't think he don't think he even had pubes then. But <laughs> <laughs> had you checked? <laughs> no one's Steve, yes. Well, look, that's what annoyed me. It's the fact that you insisted on checking on our first meet. Yeah, but what annoyed me is you, you started to call yourself uh, a parapsychologist. Mm-hmm. And I. I like you take issue with people calling themselves parapsychologists now. Um, I, I, def I started to defend that title. Um, but we, we, we made it up. Um, That's so special. We've, 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 See, Cal is, it, but what's interesting is I've said, and I don't think I've ever said it in front of Cal, but I'm going to as we, as we come towards the end of the show. I'm going to blush. I'm going to blush. You are going uh, to blush. This is a rose moment. Right the way back, about more than 10 years ago, I, I, I and I've said it to a lot of people, and I've said it to uh, other members of the SPR, um, that I one day you, our guest I'm tonight will be, man. our guest tonight will be the chairman of the Society for Psychical Research and will hit the, the highest highs in para academic parapsychology. Only on the day I start to look like John Poynton. Yeah, he's still a crap ghost hunter, but <laughs> the best. So I learned from the best, Steve. 
Ooh. We are, you know, our guest tonight is, you know, headed for the dizzying heights. He will, you know, far outstrip, um, you know, many of the current generation of there you go. You know, top parapsychologists. I've said that, you know, I've said that to many, many people. I just don't think I've ever said it in front of Cal before. Well, I'm honoured unless, and there is a big unless, unless I do a Louis. Unless you get caught. Someone realises what's going on. Yeah. yeah. One day, well, yeah. I hate to break this love fest up, but I actually have another question. Is Cal, you have gone on paranormal investigations before. When you when you do go on a paranormal investigation, do you find yourself studying more the people or the circumstances? Uh, well, both, really. I mean, um, it, I, I get so many people that come up to me and say, I had this happen to me. How do you explain that? And they're on the immediate defense. There's a lot of people that presume that if someone is known as a parapsychologist, that they're trying to actually rip their experience to shreds. And that's not the case at all. So when someone says, I had this experience, well, it's already happened. So tell me about the circumstances. That really fascinates me. If I'm on a, an actual investigation and I'm out on a ghost hunt, um, I'm not the person with the gadgets. I, I kind of refuse really to be the one with the gadgets. So someone else is there that kind of better knows them. So every time I've had a, a TV opportunity come up, I've tried to kind of sell it and get me and Steve as a duo. So he can do gadgets. I can do some of the stuff about it's people. What, it's what Stephen Ann said. <laughs> <laughs> it's what Stephen Ann said. No, that was awkward. Now, come on. To explain that, run. It was very... It was, it there, was very there was a... Yeah, was a sit- TV. It's very awkward. Situation at Margam and, you know... To have all of us there, there was me, Steve, Anne, uh, James, a few others, and so forth. So essentially, you got me and Anne. So we had two parapsychologists. You only need, really need one on location. And it was bizarre to have all of us there. And they kept on asking Anne questions. Then I would always be the second one. They say, so, Cal, Anne's given her opinion. What do you think? Well, it's going to be exactly the same as what Anne yes. thinks. I agreed with her every time. Yeah. So that's all I could say. What a it, was it, gets all like that with, yeah, it gets a bit like that with the asset panel discussions as well, where you keep putting me, Anne, and Kev Kerr on together, um, because we end up in that same situation. The first to speak, everybody else is lined up with the, well, I can only agree with the... The only exception to that, of course, would be would be Hayley, uh, Hayley Stevens, who, who who just absorbs everything that's said like a sponge. Oh, wait, wait, just in the end. I know, Cal, how, do, how can people find you and your really good books? Um, you can go to Amazon and just put in Callum E. Cooper, and that should bring up different books, especially the fantastic Paracoustics. That should stand out to you like a sore thumb or a yellow ghost. Um, or you can go on Twitter. White ghost and just on touch, a yellow background, Cal. Come that's, on, the, that's the one, a teenager's bedstain. And you can also go to <laughs> at Callum E. Cooper on Twitter, and you will find that's me it. and see the updates. Bye, guys. <laughs> Long-leggedy beasties and things that go bump. In the night, deliver us, good Lord.